0: Welcome to episode twelve forty eight of the Sleeper in the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined as always on Sunday by Jason Collette. How you doing, my friend? If I look cold, I am cold.
1: Uh, <laughs> so I am telling you off air. Woke up to fifteen degrees this morning here in in Metro Charlotte, and so I have my uh, my roto wire. Uh, what are they called? Beanie, whatever you want to call these things. Thanks, Kenny. Mm, the beanie, I love this yeah. thing. Yes, uh, have that and have a nice fleece shirt on. Uh, but uh, trying to stay warm here, uh, so we can uh, we can continue podcasting. So this this should definitely help, man. How you been?
0: I'm doing all right. We're in the middle of a rainstorm, so if uh, we have any audio issues, I apologize on the front end of the podcast. Um, I, you know, hopefully uh, things seem to have calmed down for a brief moment right now. So. Uh, But hopefully we don't have any Internet issues. Uh, But yeah, try to stay dry. Um, Anytime I think like, oh, man, I'd love to move out of California and go somewhere else. Um, Then people start saying things like 15 degrees uh, (laughs) and I go, no way. I'm not I'm just I can't handle that anymore. Well,
1: it's, you know, the good news is it's only here. It's supposed to be in the sixties later this week. I mean, go figure it. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of all over the place. That's what I've learned about my 10 years in North Carolina. The weather can go anywhere and everywhere. Uh, but it also means as it's getting warmer, that means we're getting closer to spring training and we are like, what, 10 days away from stuff recorded reporting now. I yeah. saw some report. I saw some camp reporting dates uh, the other day and I was like 32 days until games start. Uh, but then teams are starting to report uh, in a, uh, you know, I think in 18, 19 days from now, teams are starting to report.
0: Yeah, we got to get these last, uh, last big signings out of the way. We did get a big signing over the weekend. Uh, Josh Hader signs a five-year deal. I believe it's the largest uh, deal for a relief pitcher ever. Guaranteed money, yes. Yeah, to go to the Houston Astros. Uh, not on my bingo card. Uh, I think this is a massive deal. It obviously shakes up the landscape. So if you were like me... And have drafted Ryan Presley. Uh, you may be a little sol, uh, in your league in a couple of your leagues already. Jason, what are your thoughts on Josh Hader going to the Astros? Uh, you know, my thoughts were
1: this became like you said, this wasn't on your bingo card, but when they, when the news came out last week that they had lost, uh, Kendall Graveman for the year. Kendall Graveman needed to have shoulder surgery. He's out for the year. And remember, they lost Hector Neris to free agency. He was gone for the year. Uh, he's gone, and they could bring him back. But how often do you see free agents sign with your own team, right? So they lost some pieces from their bullpen. They also lost uh, looking through Ryan Stanick. So I mean, their bullpen had taken had gone through some attrition, uh, and they needed to find somebody. Now that said, I am surprised they went and ponied up this. I mean. Th- the difference between this and if you're listening, you're saying, oh, Edwin Diaz signed this contract. Well, Edwin Diaz had some of his money deferred. Uh, whereas Hader has all of this. Oh, and it's no trade, full no trade clause. Like he's in Houston for five years, period. End of sentence, uh, with this. And so it's definitely a good thing. I mean, when you look at it, I had I had messaged this out earlier this week for Astros fans that missed the days of Billy Wagner. You just got you know the taller, longer hair version of Billy Wagner. You look at the career numbers. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Billy Wagner over his career struck out 33.2% of the hitters he faced, um, held them to a 184 average and had a 227 Sierra for his entire career. Josh Hader has struck out 42.2% of his batters, has held uh, batters to a 155 average and has the same 227 Sierra over his career. Uh, it's almost a full circle thing. Cause remember Josh Hader was drafted by, the Orioles and the Orioles traded him along with LJ hose to a rebuilding Houston club for bud Norris back in 2013. So now Hater has come full circle back then. He was a starter in the Houston organization. Then he got thrown into the deal to Milwaukee and I'm drawing a complete blank on who that part of uh, that part of the deal was but when he got to Milwaukee they were I think they first started him as a starter and they were like nah dude you're gonna be in the bullpen so this is a tremendous uh, as long as you're not a Ryan Presley uh, fantasy manager this is a tremendous move for the baseball team uh, and for the fantasy marketplace because you know if if you're in an AL only league there's been a lot of pitching that's gone the other direction and so we've seen now we see a big name come back this way uh, that we can get into, uh, into draft plan, But there's been a lot of pitchers that have moved the other direction. And as somebody who plays in two AL uh, – well, two AL-only industry leagues and an the AL-only home league, it's been kind of rough to watch the talent go the other way this winter. Like, damn, what are we going to be drafting?
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, obviously this changes massive amount of uh, value for Ryan Presley. He's no longer draftable in, in most formats. Um <laughs> It's, I mean, it's a bummer for me because I mean, I drafted Presley and I think two DCs already. So, oh. <laughs> uh, and those DCs, there's no pickup. So it's not like I can go and replace them, but uh, is what it is. Uh, to me, the really interesting fallout is I think I, I know I was pegging uh, Josh Hader to end up in Texas, but with the Rangers, not with the Astros. Uh, so not only does this now, you know, Steele, who I think a lot of people thought was going to be their premier pickup this offseason for the Rangers, uh, it also kind of opens up their bullpen, because I think a lot of people were staying away from Jose LeClerc and other guys in that Rangers bullpen uh, with the idea that, oh, Josh Hader will be coming to town at some point, so I'll be interested to see how much we see the rise of Jose LeClerc yeah i'm glad
1: you brought up that so there's there's a couple of things you know with the houston thing i would also be remiss if i didn't uh mention this would be the end of the brian abreu speculations too i mean a lot of people ryan brian abreu was going 260 over the last Mm -hmm. month so people were thinking hey maybe there's something there that's his his is going to come way down uh you know the hater not going to going to texas uh the team not the state but you know to me, that speaks to the whole issue with the broadcast rights. You know, Texas really hasn't. Yes, they won the World Series. It's kind of weird to see a team win the World Series and not do anything yet. But they're still waiting to see what's going to happen with their uh, media rights. And so I've, that's probably what took them out of this conversation. That said, as somebody who does have Jose LeClerc, I'm happy. Uh, yeah, I'm not drafted yet, but Jose LeClerc is somebody, the overall numbers, I know you're like, ew, go back and look at the progress he made month over month. And by the end of the season, Jose LeClerc looked like vintage Jose LeClerc. Uh, and so I'm willing to give him another chance, and that's probably the same spin that the Rangers front office is going to say. We didn't need Hater, We have LeClerc. Look what LeClerc did August, September, October as he took us to the championship. Yeah, he gave up a couple of home runs to Jose Altuve. Who hasn't? Uh, <laughs> with that. So that's how I see this, but this whole media rights uncertainty is certainly that looming dark cloud that's been hanging over, and this may have been the first time where it's been a team that – needed something maybe you know, we thought this is where he's going and then he didn't because that uncertainty is hanging around
0: yeah uh so i mean Jose clerks adp is going to shoot up through the roof i think uh you're going to start seeing him he's been going over the last or since christmas He's he's 195 going 195 i expect him to jump up to the 160 150 ish range uh, and that now, would put
1: him, that would, as far as closers, that's going to leapfrog him over Alex Lang, which he already should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to leapfrog him over Jose Alvarado, which maybe he already should be. That's going to mm-hmm. leapfrog him over, and that's really it. That's kind of where that market, I'm looking at everybody else in that pocket uh, in the 140 and on is a starting
0: pitcher. Is so, there a chance that he jumps up to the next closer, which would be uh, Adbert Alzale at about 120? I don't think so. Okay. So he's kind of going to be in a tier on his own, uh, probably in the 150 to 160-ish range.
1: Maybe he's this year's David Bednar, where he's kind of like your drop. Remember Bednar? Everybody was looking at Bednar, and that was more team context than anything. But kind of Bednar was like the guy. Like, okay, I guess. And then he had a phenomenal season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of Bednar last year. He was he was fantastic. Maybe that's one. Um, he won. <laughs> I, I do wonder if the Rangers now pivot back to like a uh, um, Chapman. Like, do they go get uh, a roll as Chapman, bring him back? He pitched well for them uh, and kind of, you know, strengthen the bullpen that way. Remains to be seen, obviously, uh, you know, we just need teams to start signing guys. So we have a better idea. Another signing that did happen though is Robert Stevenson signs a deal to go to the angels uh, I've drafted a fair amount of Carlos Estevez in early drafts because he'd been going so freaking cheap. And to <laughs> me, he was kind of the unquestioned guy in that bullpen. Well, silly me and not uh, looking at my crystal ball. Uh, Robert Steven come to town, coming off a fantastic season. Do you think Stevenson is now the closer? Uh, Jason
1: Martinez at least has him as a co-closer. I was looking mm-hmm. at the depth charts when, when this happened. You would, this is, so when you look at you know some of the factors here in play, Robert Stevenson's from California. He's from Martinez, so maybe the desire for him to go back home uh, is in play here. Carlos Estevez is a free agent after this after this season, uh, so the opportunity is there for for Stevenson to assume the closing role after that. The fact is, his average annual value is coming in at eleven million dollars, and there's a fourth year option on this deal. They're paying him like a closer. So all the arrows seem to indicate that direction. And yeah, I was a uh, big advocate for Carlos Estevez last year, given his market price, took him at a few places last year. I know that uh, the roto C winner, Drew Forte, took Estevez and uh, he was on his winning team last year. So there was a lot of uh, winning teams that had Estevez uh, because of the market price, uh, that type of situation. That said, uh, yeah, he did fade off. As the season went on, uh, there were, there are some issues with walks with him. Uh, Stevenson, you know, you look at the, you got to separate the Pittsburgh version of Stevenson from the Tampa Bay version of Stevenson. The, the Tampa Bay version was simply unhittable. The guy was amazing. They, they basically said, Hey, come in here, throw more of that cutter um, and just gas it out. And they made a couple of tweaks and he was unbelievable. Uh, he just never had got the option to, uh, to close but he was unbelievable in that bullpen. Uh, the fan and me will sorely miss him being in that bullpen. I'd like to see who the next Robert Stevenson is going to be in Tampa Bay. But Robert Stevenson, uh, his ADP is about to shoot up uh, because he is he absolutely has the opportunity here. And we look at his ADP right now; it's three thirty one because people were trying to figure out where he was going to go, um, and that puts him behind close. Like he was going behind Jason Adam, uh, and and that's going to jump and but it's kind of the same situation like hunter harvey would be the next reliever and that's 40 picks up you know you could potentially see him making that jump towards the top 100 overall here over the last month with stevenson
0: yeah, yeah i wonder if like the first initial jump is going to be before he get to actual spring training and he gets news is if he just takes over like brian Abreu's spot in the ADP, yeah. which was 268 so um i think he'll still be a fairly affordable Guy here for the next little bit. um We are talking about a pitcher who has
1: three offerings with at least a 40% whiff rate. Three. Yeah. The cutter, the slider, and the splitter. It's the where and where Stevenson would fall into trouble is when he falls behind in an the counts and has to use, you know, three oh fastballs if he doesn't locate them well. Oops. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cause he did, you know, the league did hit 300 off his fastball with a two, a 287 expected slugging was, you know, it was there. Uh, and that's, those are his overall numbers and not just his Tampa Bay numbers, but again, three, a reliever with three pitches with a 40% or greater whiff rate. Um, Hello. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think there is a really, really good chance. He is the guy in, uh in LA. If I'm drafting right now, I'm making sure if I take one, I take both. I'm just going to grab both and not risk uh. You know, missing out on uh, the stays in Los Angeles for the Angels. So, uh, yeah, uh, today's topic that we're going to discuss, uh, we're going to stay on the pitching side of things uh, today. Uh, I was going to do some hitting things, but Paul and I are going through a lot of the hitters and a lot of the guys that I was going to talk about. Like, well, we just talked about it. We just talked about it. We just so. I decided we'll stay on the pitching side of things for right now uh, while Paul and I work through the hitter side of things. Uh, And we're going to talk about some pitchers who are going after pick 300 since Christmas. Uh, Let's start with Louis Varland, who is going pick 304 right now, a min of 254 and a max of 382. Um, Varland is a guy that everyone seems to be still a little excited about. I don't know particularly why. Tell me why you might be excited about Louis Varland. or are you? I would like Louis
1: Varland if Minnesota did not put him in the rotation. That's where I am with Louis Varland. So I'm looking at. We talked a little bit last week. Where we we said the central divisions are rather flat. Like nobody is, no team is truly standing out from the others. As we are going to dominate this division. And so when I look, when I see a division like that, and you're gonna, you can see some close games, some middle games. Like I want to I want to look for the next Colin Poche, the next Ian Jabot, the next Mike Bowman. You know, these are guys that won nine plus games in middle relief with good overall numbers because they took advantage of the opportunity the way the the, the way pitching management has played out. I feel that Varlin has the skill set to be one of those guys this year. If he can be put into the bullpen, we saw what he did last year when he came back in September uh, and was throwing with more velocity, like everything had, he just had more stuff out of the bullpen than he did as a starting pitcher. Uh, and so to me, that's where my interest, like if, if, if the Minnesota front office came out right now and said, Louis Varlin is going to be our, Our swing man, we will spot him sometimes in the rotation. But other than that, he is going to be a a middle to late relief weapon for us. I'd be very in. I mean, the quote that I saw when I was looking at this, they said uh, that had to see uh, the twins don't want to make a call on him. And this is both from Baldelli and Derek Falvey. Uh, They're glad that he has the experience of doing the starting and relieving at the high level, but it didn't affect their perspective but it did affect their perspective to see Varlin up to hundred miles an hour with uh, a fastball and a cutter that gave hitters fit out of the bullpen. I think he has the ability to be an elite reliever. Baldelli says, I don't want to make any bold statements. I'll talk to him soon. What he showed out of the pen was special. It's like, the language is pointing in that direction where, hey, we're not going to put you in the rotation because we saw what he does in rotation. He gives up a lot of home runs. Uh, so, But if he can come in and, and throw water out of the bullpen, I'm more excited about that. So right now I look at and say the uncertainty because, again, last year we saw so many uh, some good relievers put up some positive fantasy value last year with the wins, with the strikeouts, with the ratios, and I'm looking for the next guy because that's not a year-to-year stickiness thing. Like, I... You know, there's no way is winning 12 games again in 60 innings. It's just not going to happen. But somebody else could do it, and Barland certainly has the tools that he's shown at a very small sample size, but he has shown the stuff, and Minnesota is a team that plays, you know, that should be very competitive in that division. It hasn't differentiated themselves, but I like a lot of the indicators that I'm seeing from Barland right now.
0: Yeah, um, I get that. I, I don't draft those kind of guys, though. I mean, outside of, like, AOL only leagues, like, I pick those guys up when I see their skills start to show in the majors and we kind of know what their role is. I think right now people are drafting Louis Varlin as a potential, you know, back end of the rotation starter for Minnesota. And I don't want Louis. Like I I get like, there's really, really good stuff, but man, that guy has a massive home run problem. Just a massive home run problem.
1: How about this? How about this scenario? So from a, um, Mm -hmm. a strategy perspective, So right now he's just inside the 300. So, you know, that's going to put him, you know, this is, we're talking like 20th round type of thing. So let's say you Mm -hmm. have your five, let's say you have five starters and two relievers already drafted and you're looking for either your six starter, your six or your third reliever. Um, You've already said that there are better starting options. So let's say, would you rather take a, a, a flyer on Varland here as your third reliever and see how that situation plays out? or would you rather take a spec on a a, a, a setup guy that could become the closer? So uh, I think the Stevenson would be gone, but so Stevenson would be a bad comp. But like, if you are looking at like maybe Colin Halderman uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, you, mm-hmm. you have Bednar and like, oh, I want to take this. I want to take a spec. Maybe this is your Bednar gets traded, you know, something like that. You're looking to do that. What are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I'd much rather do that, especially if there's some ambiguity to, uh like who the guy is as the closer in you know a certain spot just kind of looking down I mean obviously like you said Robert Stevenson he's in the 300s right now he won't be for very long give me Will Smith you know in Kansas City as the potential closer uh can't argue
1: that I mean last year I was like why is why you know why is Will Smith getting a and Will Smith came in and took (laughs) safe. so it's like I'm not arguing I can't argue Will Smith Yeah, like,
0: give me uh, Gregory Santos, give me um, a role as Chapman. Uh, Obviously, if he signed back with Texas, he might shoot up a little bit. Give me a guy like A.J. Puck, like, I mean, you know, and then we go to starters, pretty much all the starters, I think minus maybe one guy that we're going to talk about today, I will take over Louis Varley just because, one, I feel a lot more confident about their role, and, two, like, Probably doesn't have a massive homer problem. Like I, you know, like the problem with Lee Varland is if he does start the year in rotation, how long is he going to be there? How much damage is he going to do to you in the meantime? Or if he does get shifted to the bullpen, like you know, could he be a, a dynamite multi-inning reliever? Absolutely, I definitely see that kind of in the range of outcomes. I also see the possibility that he's a one-inning guy. Like when he came back from uh, from the minor leagues uh, at the end of the season. Uh, you know he had two out he had one two three four outings of uh you know more than an inning but he also had three outings of an inning like so like you know maybe he's not going to be a four inning or a three inning guy that comes in and can rack up some strikeouts for you yeah maybe he's just I a mean guy I would say and, two.
1: and I, I I agree with your the the, the critiques uh, with it you know for me it's the uh, the uncertainty is helping things right now. If if they say you're in the bullpen, you probably see his ADP come down because, I, I, as you said earlier, people are drafting Barland as that starting pitcher. But if that ADP continues to come down, then I, my interest continues to go up. That's that's my thing. I don't want him as a start. As you mentioned, uh, the homers are a problem. Multiple home runs in six of his of his games. Six six games he had multiple home runs allowed. Four of which. Yeah, there, was, there was the uh, the three home run outing this first game of the season that he had a two against the Cubs, a two against the Jays, a two against the Rays, a two against the Tigers, a two against the Mets. I mean, there's problems there, th- that, but in the bullpen, if that ADP starts coming down, my interest is going to go up. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's Let's uh, let's move on to a guy I am interested in because I enjoy being in pain and I don't learn from my mistakes. Uh, and that's Lance Lynn uh, going to pick 304. Same spot as Louis Fireland, uh min of 257, max of 342. I just can't believe that uh, Lance Lynn has completely lost it. Uh, and he's going to a fantastic pitching environment with a fantastic defense behind him, uh, an organization that typically does really well with pitching last year excluded in the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I think this is a perfect spot for him to rebound and kind of, you know, maybe even finish his career off on a really, really good note. So where are you at on Lance Lynn? Are you going to take the pain like I am? I'm really trying to keep this a PG-13 podcast. So <laughs> I, I will just say this, dead to me. Uh,
1: and I know that's probably a mortal fantasy sin, dead to me. Uh, backstory, I had Lance Lynn last year in labor for those who are new to the show or may have forgotten uh, I had in labor, you have to carry guys all year. I carried Lance Lynn all year, uh until the end, week 23. I finally drop him after he gets bombed by the Marlins, and then he comes out and has three good starts for the Dodgers. And I nearly lost my my lead at the end to Jesse Roach. Nearly did. If I had just not if I had sat on Lynn for three more weeks, then would have been easy, would have absolutely been easy. It is it is, but I disagree with you that, that there's something left. Let's not forget this was a guy. His pitching run value was a one. Like He was in the first percentile, not the good first, the bad first percentile. His fastball, also in the first percentile. His breaking ball value, four. His off-speed, 38. So, like, if he can come out and throw a bunch of change-ups, to me, like, this is the bigger version of James Shields at the end of his career. This is not going to go well. I'd want absolutely nothing to do with Lance Lynn. If he's going to have volume, it's going to be even worse. I know I'm glad he went to the National League because I don't play in National League only and I don't consider a mixed league viable pitching material. End of story. Wow. Okay. I
0: mean, <laughs> that's um that is uh there's nothing in the profile, honestly. There's not much in the profile that tells me that he can turn around. Hey, what's so up like, with the
1: Cardinals signing all these old farts this winter, by the way? Uh to be honest, Kyle Gibson, I- Kittredge, Lance Lynn, Matt Carpenter. It's like it's like they're red, so maybe their their corporate sponsor is gonna be AARP. And I say that as a card carrying AARP member. Uh, but you know, maybe they are, <laughs> maybe they are, and I see, I'm 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 not even kidding. See right here on camera, guys. AARP it's red and white, cardinals colors, it's all here. Uh so that's why I'm like, I don't understand they're just signing all these older guys to a roster that already has some older guys. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I think part of it is that they've got a number of prospects in double-A AA and triple-A to start the year that could be up, you know, halfway through the season. And so they didn't want long-term commitments to guys. Fair enough. Um, you know, because they've got reinforcements coming. Um, that being said, as far as Lance Lynn goes, this is, I mean, I, I'm going to say, it. it's, it's, I, I'm biased. Like, I just i love Lance Lynn, and I always have. Uh, and, uh, because there isn't, I mean, even in that four game stretch that you're kind of referencing at the end of the season last year, where you go, okay, here's some stuff like, you know, three thirty eight ERA, you know, XFIP of 579, uh, a walk, you know, walks per nine of four a homer per nine of one and a half, like the strikeout, you get those strikeout. stupid
1: wins and that's where I yeah. needed wins. We're such a tight category. And mm-hmm. Lynn got those wins at the end. Like I had to sweat out, I had to sweat out AL labor to the AL labor to the final day of the season.
0: I don't yeah. want to do that again. I'm, <laughs> um, you know, as I start to work through my pitching projections, hopefully next week. Um, my guess is I'm going to be a lot more realistic about what Lance Lynn could be, and uh, you know, the velocity is just not the same. He's, you know, does not have the same movement on his pitches. Uh, and I, he's probably someone who should have waited. I won't because I'm stupid and I continue <laughs> to just go back to the well. At least this year, like he's not in a position where you have to hold on to him. So,
1: yeah, I will say this for in his one thing that he does, this is probably what kept his era below six last year. You know, he doesn't he doesn't surrender a lot of stolen bases I'm looking at he there were seven stolen bases with him on the mound. And he pitched 183.2 innings and, and let's not forget a lot of that was with the white sox with with grandall who was a terrible terrible thrower uh he yeah. was I, when I looked over the last two years grandall was the absolute worst um uh, for that out of 64 catchers so the fact that Lynn does not allow and he's, uh, that many stolen bases, Is probably what protected that ERA from being below six. I mean, it was five seventy three by season's end, and and Lord knows he had traffic on the bases uh, with that, but there wasn't a lot of stolen bases uh, allowed there, so maybe that's a saving grace for him. Uh, I'm trying. I got. I got to say one thing positive about the guy, so that'll be it. I'll say that. But then, then again, maybe everybody was just standing around waiting for the three run home runs. He gave up forty four of those. Uh.
0: I still would take Lance Lynn over Louis Varlin, but um, I can understand why most people wouldn't. Uh, let's go to the next guy. Jamison Tyon, pick 309, uh, min of 275, a max of 351. Any interest in Jamison Tyon? Only thing I
1: can say about him is he doesn't walk. He doesn't get himself in trouble with walks. And that's about the only positive thing I can say about him. You know, it's one of these... Once your lasting memory of somebody when you watch him, and I was at a live game in Anaheim watching him pitch against the Angels, uh, and it did not go well for Jamison Tyon. Uh, early on, it did, but then the second time through, boom, boom, I, I got to see Trout and Otani home run in the same game. So, a uh, homer in the same game. So, I was like, yay, uh, with that. And uh, no, he doesn't. I, no, this is not a picture I want to add to my profile if I have to. Uh, it's because I have insulated. I've insulated my numbers well enough to take a chance, but I when I look at this profile, it's not. I'm not turning my nose up as much as I do with Lance Lynn, but this isn't great. But there are there are names when I look at, like going where Tyon's going. I can just like rattle off a few names. I'd rather take. I, give me John Gray over him. Give me a guy we're gonna talk about in a minute over him. Uh, give me Tyler Wells. Give me Logan Allen. Give me, you know, just—I mean, there's a number. I'm looking down the list, saying I like a lot of these guys better than what I've seen out of Tyon.
0: Yeah, the thing with Tyon is, like, prior to uh, his kind of, you know, most recent work, he's always one of those guys where, like, hey, you could count on him to just be good. Like, he may not be healthy and he may not be on the mound, but when he is, he's a he's a very, very good pitcher uh, with really good skills. The skills are still there. But he's had issues with command, which has led to just blow up outings. You look at, like, what he did in his six starts right, bef- or right before the end of the season, and it's literally, like, you know, five and two-thirds, five earned runs, six scoreless, five, five innings, giving up three earned runs, including two home runs, six scoreless. Like, uh, you know, six earned runs, gave up or six, six innings, give up two earned runs, four scoreless, like, He has the ability to shut guys down, but it's so start to start dependent on whether or not he's got feels for certain pitches uh, that uh, I don't know that I want to trust him. You know, week in and week out, Um, I have taken. I would say it's almost matchup. I would say it's almost matchup
1: dependent. But then you look at the September eighth start, six innings of shutout, one hitter uh, with nine Um, strikeouts against the against the uh, Diamondbacks. But then there's other outings. You're like, what the like he got gets bombed by Cincinnati gets bombed by Colorado yeah we get that gets bombed by the Royals gets bombed by the Tigers how do you get bombed by the Tigers
0: yeah i i just think he's one of those guys that is better for streaming than he is for uh for rostering uh, especially in your 12 teamers um but in your 15 teamers like I've taken the gamble a couple times. I've kind of regretted it, unless he drops in a draft. Uh, maybe I'm not as high on some of these guys we're talking about yeah, today as I thought we
1: were going to be. I'm um, counting 12 starts, 12 of 29, where he allowed four more earned runs.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about Luis Severino. He's, he signed a deal to go to the Mets. Uh, he was atrocious last year, just really, really bad, struggled with health. Um, he struggled with health for a number of years now uh going to a new location uh well it's still New York different uh different spot much better park any interest in Luis Severino
1: not really i not at this price i mean if he's going we've talked about four guys so far uh Varland Lynn Tyon, and, and Severino and my interest is Varland and i don't want the other three guys that's kind of my, that's kind of my interest here it's like I, I, you got to show me something before I'm going to be back in on him. And if somebody else wants to take a pick this high, if I mention a bunch of names I'd like behind Tyon and Severino is right there on the ADP chart with them, give me all of the other guys before I get to, uh, to get the Severino. And if I miss out on the goodness, then I missed out on it, but I'd rather take my chances with somebody else who's shown some health, shown some other past to success than somebody who has been uh, a question mark here. Uh, especially coming off of last year, where the numbers were just my God, the home runs. You know, get back to Varland. I mean, with fifteen home runs and a 353 average off that fastball last year. Yikes.
0: Yeah, Severino is another one of these guys that I just have a soft spot for because I was a big Severino guy when he was coming up to the majors, um, and he was, you know, he was fantastic uh, when he was healthy. I mean, I, I still believe that the talent is in there for this, for Severino to be a top 30 starting pitcher, which is kind of what you're looking for. You're either, at this point in the draft, you're either looking for guys who can just stabilize what you've already built or a guy who can pop. And I think Severino is still a guy who can pop. Throws 96, uh, you know, uh, still. The problem is the health and the command, right? When he is on the mound and... Um, the command has been wasn't a huge issue for him last season. Two point three two homers per nine. Uh, really, really struggled with that fastball command, even at ninety six. I think this is a really good spot for him because it is a much better park than he was dealing with. We know that there was a lot of turmoil in New York where he wanted to continue pitching at times, and the Yankees would shut him down and put him on the IL. Uh, I wonder if just a change of scenery is something that Luis Severino needs to get going. And I think the nice thing about uh, drafting a guy like Luis Severino is I think you're going to know pretty, pretty quickly whether or not he's back to being an effective pitcher. He's not one of these guys you're going to have to hold on to for a month to see. Like, you can take two starts on your bench and kind of look and go, okay, is Luis Luis Severino got good command or does he not? If he doesn't, drop them, move on to the next guy uh, as opposed to, you know, maybe a guy like Louis Varland where you're going, you're kind of hoping and waiting and seeing what the role is going to be, how they're going to use them. Uh, and a month later, you're having to drop them still too. So
1: I would say if you, if you are the type of fantasy manager that likes to use your six spot as a streaming spot,
0: mm-hmm. this is an
1: option yeah. uh, that, but that's honestly as high as I'd be willing to take them uh, is as a six right now is as my pitcher six, but I'm taking like three other starters on my bench that I can figure out who's got the best matchups this week. That's the guy I'm going with. This isn't a set. This isn't the old draft him, set it and forget it type of situation. But
0: streaming option, I could see it. All right, let's uh, let's move on over, uh, over to Chase Silsets, who was pretty interesting before his uh, injury uh, made him lose uh, quite a bit of time last year. Uh, teammate throwing he, a ball off his head doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, unfortunate for him. You know, as far as we know, he's going to be entering the season healthy and ready to go. Any interest in Chase Silseth? I do have interest in Silseth if he can fix himself. Uh, and
1: when I when I looked under the hood with him, uh, it really comes down to some of the same things we were talking about with uh, with Severino. When Silseth falls behind the count, he is extremely hittable. Uh, I broke down the numbers and looked at it. When the batters were ahead in the count, they hit 357. The, their triple slash line was 357, 561, 691, off of uh, off of Silsa when they were ahead. Now, when with even count, that dropped down to 246, 259, 474, and then with pitcher ahead, that dropped down to 146. Batting average against 246 slugging percentage. So it's like he's got the stuff, but he's got to work ahead. Like he's he Silseth does not have the type of stuff where he can continue to work behind in the account. He's got to get get up early, uh, get up in the count early so he can use his other stuff. But there's a, there's a lot to like here if he can get out of his own way. He's got a he's got a, a ground ball tilt, but if he can't hit his spots, those ground balls get out of the park. Uh, and he's still young. I just I look at him. And I want to say, go look at how Alex Cobb and Kevin Gossman turned their careers around and decided not to throw as many fastballs, get ahead early, and then uh, expand the strike zone with their other stuff. I, I I believe that Silseth has kind of an Alex Cobb-like profile uh, of success, if everything goes right uh, with that. So this is what I was referring to earlier. It's like Silseth, Silseth is somebody that I would take over Lynn, Tyone, and Severino just on spec right now.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I would. Well, he does have you know four or five pitches that are usable. Um nothing is overpowering, nothing is like yeah. in when and that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like I think you can make that work if you have really, really good control and command, which Silth does not have. Um, and so I just feel like he is like a perpetual number five starter that gets sent down to the minors. Um and Uh, I think he's going to start the year in the rotation because the Angels are pretty weak in that rotation unless they go out and add like a Blake Sneller or a Jordan Montgomery, which I don't expect them to do at this point. Um, I just don't see this ending well, especially in that division, which is really, really loaded up top. uh, And you're going to have to face the Astros and the Rangers and the Mariners uh, over and over and over again. I just, I don't know. I've never been a Chase Silseth guy. I just don't think he's got... uh, the kind of stuff mixed with command to make it work. Um, And yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not a believer uh, in his profile. Uh, Wish him luck. I'm I'm glad he's healthy coming back from that injury. But uh, ultimately I think I'd rather have the next guy on the list who is another one of these guys who I continue to go back to the well on year after year. And I feel this year that Ranger Suarez is really really underrated i don't understand exactly why he's going pick 342 any interest in ranger suarez uh
1: yes uh i do i agree with your your statement on him you know this gets back to when we look at team context this is a better situation uh for overall but i do like ranger suarez uh and what he's his uh i guess we call it pitcher pitchability uh, is the is the phrase I'm looking for? But yes, I do like Ranger Suarez uh, more than some of these other names on the list as well. <laughs> uh, with this, so Philadelphia is obviously a good situation for him to be in, uh, and I would. This to me is a nice price. I mean, three forty two is putting him, you know, rather late. I, I'm honestly surprised. Now somebody went two twenty six. You know, more mm-hmm. power to you. <laughs> uh, but he also went as late as four hundred one. Uh, Suarez did in some of these drafts. So, uh, like again. At this price, I would absolutely be interested in, in what Suarez brings to the table with the team that he's on.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm a little surprised that he is as low as he is right now. I mean, um, he had the second highest strikeout of his career, la- uh, strikeout rate of his career last year, second highest uh, swing and strike rate. So back up. Um, you know, he may walk uh, maybe a couple too many guys, but I think that's just a matter of not being willing to give guys the ability to go deep on him. Uh, And he doesn't. He's turned in his third straight season, where his homer per nine is under one. Uh, So, like, he's... Yes, is he a guy that's going to deliver you a pristine whip? No. The whip is always bad. You need to be very, very careful about roster construction with a guy like Ranger Suarez, because he you know, turned on a 142 whip last year. Um, I do think that he is a guy that, though that has strikeout upside that plays on a good team. That's going to win games. um, And that uh, is a really just kind of effective glue guy, right? We were just talking about, you know, when you're in this spot, you're looking for guys who could pop up and just magically become a top 30 pitcher, uh, or you're looking for a glue guy. Ranger Suarez is never going to be a top 30 pitcher. What he is going to be is a glue guy for you, for those of you in deeper leagues. um, And, the, you know, If you're listening to this episode, you're probably playing in a little bit of a deeper league or you're just looking for those guys to pop. So if you're in a 10 or 12, don't worry about Ranger Suarez. He's a guy you stream off of uh, the waiver wire. But in your 15th, I think Ranger Suarez is a pretty nice glue guy that I like to draft. So I want to
1: bring up a point about him uh, because it kind of uh, dovetails into the next guy we're going to talk about. So part of the part of the rust uh, on Suarez may be he only won four games. He had 22 starts and he only won four games. That, that said, he went five innings in 18 of his 22 outings. Like It was there. Uh, you know, he Some of it may have been of his own doing, but he only had a decision in 10 of his 22, and he only won four of those 22 for a good club. Uh, not not all of that's in his control, but uh, the thought may be, okay, maybe he doesn't go deep enough in the game. But so he was there. He was qualifying for wins in that, but some of those times they left him out there and said, you know, you're you're pitching. Go ahead. I'm looking at some five innings, five earned runs, starts against the Diamondbacks and the Nationals, but I'm going to transition right over to the next guy. But this comes into play with Logan Allen with Cleveland uh, because Logan Allen with Cleveland early on, this is something he was he was struggling with, yeah, but he ended up with seven wins and 24 starts. But Logan Allen early on was getting into 90 pitches in the fourth inning. That's that's what was strong. He could not put guys away, uh, and that's the that's what became problematic with him. But as it got deeper, because the crazy thing, looking back at his game log, his first outing, six innings, one run, eight strikeouts against Miami. he did uh, something similar against Boston. But then he was struggling to uh, the pitch count was just problematic. I remember going uh, looking at a game in the middle of the summer against uh, the Royals, three and two thirds. And he went eighty something pitches in that game, uh, in three and two thirds. So he was having trouble putting guys away, and it got a little better as the season went on. But this was five six innings. But Cleveland plays so many of those close games; they still end up getting seven wins out of twenty four. But you look at you look at everything else. You're like, how did he do this? Uh, type of situation uh, with with Logan Allen. And I like the pitcher. We've often talked on this podcast about how Cleveland is just they've. Continue to find guys uh, and, and do things and make the best of them. So you have to give them that that credibility with that. But my concern with Logan Allen is can he get deeper into games on a more consistent basis uh, this year? And maybe that's why Logan Allen's ADP is down where it is compared to some of these other also rants. You know, Logan Allen has some upside. But even though he is upside, he's going 30 picks after some of those other guys. I said, I don't want him on my roster.
0: Yeah, I'm not, or I have not been a Logan Allen backer um, since you, him kind of coming up and making his debut, and even before that. Uh, like, I don't think he's necessarily a guy with overpowering stuff, uh, you know. But what I will say is he is the kind of guy that I normally like, right? Like, he's got multiple pitches, he's got really good command. Uh, he's left-handed in an organization that has no other left-handed starters at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a really, really good price on Logan Allen. I'm, you know, like I wonder how much of this price is kind of based on uh, having so many other young guys in this rotation that are just kind of overshadowing him with you know, Tristan McKenzie and uh, Tanner Bybee uh, and Gavin Williams. That Logan Allen is just kind of being left out, but considering he's the only lefty in the rotation right now, and you have Shane Bieber who may get traded, is an injury risk. Tristan McKenzie, who's always an injury risk. Like I think Logan Allen's in this rotation for the long haul, and while I don't necessarily think he has a huge ton of upside, um, I actually think the floor is a lot safer than maybe like the counter or some of his counterparts in this rotation like Gavin Williams and like Tristan McKenzie, who both have amazing upside, but uh, their floors are really, really low. And I don't think they're uh, being given that credit in the ADP right now. So I actually, yeah, like by Allen's, team context, as you
1: were saying, you know, Logan Allen is the, is the, is the fifth starting pitcher off the board. So Cleveland's ADPs, uh, over the last 30 days right now is Bybee at 105, Williams at 156, Bieber at 186, then we got McKenzie at 245, and then we got Allen at 337.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind really any of those ADPs necessarily. I'm probably never going to draft uh, Gavin Williams at that ADP or Same. or uh, Bieber at that ADP. I'm less likely to draft Tristan McKenzie, but I think that price is actually fantastic considering – he was going like one fifty at this time last year. And I don't think much. Yeah.
1: Uh, it all depends when he came back last year, the velocity was concerning. It was yeah. not, it was not there. And like, to me, I need to see McKenzie in Goodyear, Arizona. I think it's for Cleveland trains. I need to see McKenzie back at 95 plus to be like, oh, I'm back in because he was working low nineties and that's, that's, that's not going to cut it. Uh, I would say this though. Uh, if you are look, if you take one of these late Cleveland guys, you mentioned that Allen is the only left handed starter in the rotation. That's for now. Don't forget the name Joey Cantillo. Uh, yeah. Go look at Joey Cantillo if you haven't. Go look at go watch the YouTube videos uh, and and see that. But Joey Cantillo, uh, I I sat down and watched some video of him last week, and I, I think I even texted you, you know, and Paul. I'm like, where does Cleveland keep finding this stuff? Uh, it's like the changeup is so so sexy. Uh, not like rubbing cheese all over my body, Bobby Miller sexy, like like Eno did uh, at First Pitch Arizona. But man, watching that video about Joey Cantillo uh, certainly uh, elevated his profile uh, for me. Because when I was looking through, I was like, okay, we've got these names in Cleveland. Who's the next guy? Where's the next guy come up? Uh, won't be Xavier Curry. I've seen that. That's not going to mm-hmm. play out. Espino can't stay healthy. Uh, let me look at this Joey Cantillo guy. Went in, looked at, looked at video, and I was like, okay, I've seen enough. Um, I know what the risks are. You can look at the state. Then I go to the stats and say, "Oh, okay, I can see what the problem could be. But Joey Cantillo is a name that I would like listeners to tuck away if they haven't already heard of him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I- I'm with you on Cantillo. Um, as far as Alan goes, though, that changeup is actually really, really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and if he can rely on it a little bit more and just do something to play off of it a little bit better uh i think there is actually another step for a guy like logan allen so um probably and if you had asked me prior to the start of this episode is if he was going to be my favorite guy on the list uh yeah i think uh logan allen may be my favorite guy on the list um so uh all right moving on to the next guy uh we're going to talk about another one of my favorites i swear i didn't do this on purpose and (laughs) just put guys that i've had long love affairs with uh, but it is Josiah Gray going to pick 386 any interest in Josiah Gray who we know has good stuff but controlling it and commanding it is another issue
1: yeah i well there's a couple of theories for me with Josiah Gray uh i you know i have been in, in on him and very interested on him since watching him early in his prospect days listening to interviews uh with him like he knows he knows what he wants to do he knows what he should be doing Uh, that said his fastballs betray him. Uh, And and there's a couple of things. So you look at his numbers and all of his non-fastball pitches are fine. Uh, And yeah, he throws a lot of, he has sinkers, his preferred pitch, but his fastballs are where the league does damage on him. And then the other issue is that he really hasn't come up with an effective off-speed pitch. And so he is, I saw more of this last year. He chooses to pitch around lefties to get the righties. So some of those, you look at the walks are like, Oh man, this is bad. Well, some of those are strategic, uh, where like we flash back, that was some of the conversation with Blake Snell last year. It's like Blake Snell walks a lot of guys because he's strategically pitching around him. No, Blake Snell like throws a lot of breaking balls, and if a disciplined hitters can stay off the breaking ball, they don't chase it. And then Blake Snell's like, fine, I'll just strike the next guy out. Uh Gray doesn't have that type of attitude with things, but there were times when lefties where it looked like he was clearly, I'm just gonna pitch away from it, pitch away from these guys, and if they don't do it, I'll just move on to the righty. So uh I like I like the player. I just don't like – I don't know how he overcomes this problem. I, I, I don't know how I don't know how Gray can overcome the lack of a uh, fastball. I mean, Marcus Stroman has certainly done it to a point, uh, but maybe it comes with Gray. Like, you look at his baseball savannah. He's got six pitches he's trying. Maybe narrow that down. Use the old Jeff Zimmerman uh, theory. Are you Darvish? No? Then stop throwing six pitches. Uh, you know, narrow things down. So I want to see – what steps he takes, but there's certainly risk in the profile at this price. This is reserve round um, type of thing. Gray has the potential, uh, to, using your language earlier, who can jump? Uh, so he's got the potential to do it, but he also has a floor that you've got to be willing to accept that he walks a lot of guys, even if they are strategic, and he allows home runs. Uh, and so there are some risk at play there.
0: Yeah, man. He's just one of those guys that I feel like is like a – a development not not adding a pitch obviously because like you said he's got six pitches but development of a pitch away from like figuring things out if he can figure something out against lefties um oh man like i just see the talent in the arm and maybe i'm just blinded by that because at this point we've had we've had a large enough sample size with josiah gray to know kind of what he is guys did i say and, six i meant seven pitches that's what he has seven. <laughs> he does have seven, actually. No, he, he only throws uh, one of them like 1% of the time. So um I'd be interested to see him throw that change up a little bit more, though, because it, it actually isn't a bad – it doesn't look like a bad change up, but maybe it's one of those things where he just has no trust in it. Or morph it into a
1: splitter. I mean, fine
0: – it's find tough because i mean change ups
1: a yeah. field pitch and i don't you know i don't know how large his hands are but splitter if you don't have large hands it's tough to throw it's tough to get the comfort level with the splitter type of situation but it would be nice for him to have a better approach against lefties than just i'm gonna pitch around him because it's yeah. when you look at the, i was looking at the splits last year uh against lefties you know the league hit 251 they are on base 3 345 and he allowed 22 of his home runs against lefties
0: uh to, to his like credit and the kind of the plus side on him, unlike some of these other guys uh, that we've talked about, um, I think you're gonna get, you know, 160 innings from oh, yeah. Gray. Like, you know, are you gonna get that from injury prone guys like Severino and Tyon, uh, or guys whose roles may not be as stable like uh Varland and Silseth? Uh, and maybe even Logan Allen, I don't know that you are. Uh, I know that you're going to get 160 innings from Josiah Gray. I mean, obviously injuries can happen to anybody, but uh, ultimately like Washington doesn't have the kind of depth in the rotation uh, to uh, to not let Josiah Gray go out there every fifth day. So in your deeper formats, in your DCs, he makes a lot of sense because you know you're going to have him available off your bench to pitch. I just don't know that we we have not yet seen a, not anything from him at this point to think that much is going to change in terms of the profile. So while I'm totally fine taking him into D.C., I'm probably going to go elsewhere in a lot of other formats.
1: And the, the only issue I have is he may give you 160, 170 innings, uh, Graywood, but how many of those innings are going to be uh, valuable yeah. from Josiah Gray? Because they, they're, they're – again the potential with the walks and the homers the potential for meltdown is there uh but he also strikes out and maybe if he consolidated that repertoire and in fact if something with the off-speed, that's where if like you look i like i'd be even more back in if he could do this uh but adp wise like i love the pitcher uh but when i look at this like he's the fourth he's the fourth or fifth guy of all the guys that we've talked about today that i would want if i'm doing my own personal rankings of the guys we've talked about uh, we said Varlin, we said Silseth, we've said Allen. The next guy we're going to talk about, I like all four of those
0: guys. Better not like Josiah Gray for this coming season. I will say that uh, he did a better job at preventing the home run ball in the second half. He only had one multi homer uh, game given up, uh, gave up a total of eight home runs in 58 innings. Uh, he did walk five or nine, though, during that time. So he was just saying, like, I'm not going to let you hit it all because I'm not going to go near the zone. Uh, yeah, which is a problem. Uh, All right, Uh, let's finish out with Bryce Elder. I'm a little surprised Bryce Elder is going as low as he is considering kind of stuff that he's done at the major league level. It just feels like no one believes in Bryce Elder. It sounds like you believe in him more than Josiah Gray, but how much do you believe in him? That's the thing. When you look at it, because
1: nothing you try to figure out. So when I'm looking at, okay, wow, he's really down here. So, yes, he doesn't have the electric stuff that everybody else has. And I've looked at the, the looking at stuff plus model. We're talking the 80 stuff plus. That's where yeah. it, to me, this is where it gets to. It's like 80 stuff plus 89, 99 location plus, and 95 pitching plus. But to, like the, the latter two of those numbers, to me, Elder's got that dog in him. And I don't know how else to kind of say it, but he is like if Bryce Elder wasn't on Atlanta, my interest would be less. Yeah. But he is on Atlanta. He is on a team that can provide a lot of runs. He is on a team that plays good defense. And so he, I've you know, I've seen him. I saw him pitch live uh, last year uh, when I was at a game in Atlanta. He just has that. Dog. He's got the pitch ability. Sometimes there are just guys that come out and fill up the strike zone and trust the defense behind them to make the plays and do all that. And it's exactly what Bryce Elder did last year. Uh, and so there were times where it, he was out over his skis. I would say at one point, and then some of that regression came back to bite him. But that's going to happen when you pitch. When you're not pitching with, you know, you have 80 plus stuff. That's going to happen. But he still ended up winning 12 of his games. The ERA was up on the high. So it's like at this price, I'm, yes, keep me in for Bryce Elder. Uh, I know what the down. Da- I know what the downside could be. And he because he it, it, again he has to. He has to execute things very well for him to be successful. If he doesn't, it could get bad in a hurry. But on the team context, he's on a good team. They're going to give him that chance to do that. And so, yes, at this price, absolutely. And that's why I like him more. I mean, he and and Josiah Gray are right there together by ADP. But uh, even if they were around the part, I would still prefer Elder just because that team context. If I'm taking a, a shot this late in the draft on somebody who could pop again, that would be Elder.
0: Yeah, I, I I understand why that why is it pick three eighty seven? Uh, Elder is, um, I, and I'm trying to find. I just drafted him in a draft. so I'm just trying to figure out exactly where it was. Um, okay, so I got him at I got him at pick. That must be one sixty six. No oh, kidding. <laughs> I think it was like four fifty. Is, is that right? Am I doing my math? Well, right? he went. He's gone as late as four sixty nine. Yeah. So. Um, uh. Yeah, I got him at four fifty two, um, in in a draft champions that I just did with a bunch of uh, people in the industry. Um, I just saw people jumping in the same. A bunch of people like uh, uh, Bubba and uh, Ryan Bloomfield and Curlin, Frank Emmerante and Matt Williams and John Fish and Joe Rico, like uh, and Zach Waxman all jumping into the same DC. I was like, oh, that sounds mm-hmm. like a fun group. Um, and he just kept dropping and dropping and dropping and I think that I think a mistake that some that a lot of drafters make is they go, oh, you know, like uh, I'm not going to touch this guy ever. And at some point, like he has value. Like at 452, we're talking about would not be drafted at uh, in a regular Fab 15 team Fab league. He's gonna be in the rotation, and like you mentioned, like this is a really good team that could win a lot of games. Uh, you know, maybe. Even rival the Dodgers, the best team in baseball, and a good defense, uh, you know, in the middle, where or uh, up the middle and uh, in the infield, where that's where Bryce Elder lives. He gets a ton of ground balls. Yes, he allows a ton of contact that sometimes can come back to bite him, but ultimately, like, he is just kind of an effective, you know, guy who can get out of innings quickly because he allows so many ground balls. I don't know that there's a ton of upside here necessarily because I don't think he's ever going to be a massive strikeout guy. But like, could he be a sneaky source of wins, um, like and a ra- uh, ratio stabilizer? Absolutely. And pick four fifty two. Like I'm, I'm taking that all day. Even closer to his ADP of three eighty seven. Like that isn't that isn't bad. Like that. That's totally fine. Uh, at that spot, but especially in drafts where he's gonna fall and fall outside of top four hundred, mm-hmm. I think Bryce Elder is kind of a steal. And this is a guy that I was screaming from the rooftops on about as <laughs> as a, a sell high candidate last year. Like and and everybody knew it, right? Like I was trying to sell him in some in some leagues where I had him, uh, and nobody was buying. Uh, but ultimately, like I just think he is. I think he is like a version of Miles Miklas when Miles Miklas has been good, right? Where you know gives up a lot of contact, yes, but a lot of it's on the ground, and that defense behind is going to eat up a lot of it. So, uh, yeah, I got no problem with. Yeah, I was uh, trying
1: to look for. I'm I'm sorting through a pack of uh, 87 tops cards here, and I was trying to look for an example <laughs> of a uh, like, hey, who do because it's driving me nuts. Like there's a there's a particular like a, there's a pitching profile here of a fifth starter that just. You know, goes out there, gives you the innings, fills yep. up the strike zone, and and like that's what it is. And this again, this isn't a profile that I particularly love or want to chase, but I don't have to chase it. If you yeah, like this four fifty something. Who cares? I mean, this is this is free. And if you're looking for somebody that could give you, I mean, DC obviously you can't cut bait, but you know, if you're if we're talking about anything else, this is something you can have your bench. You want to cut them, You can cut them. But, uh, like I said, he's got to me, he's got pitchability and he's and on a good team. If this was if he was pitching for Detroit, I'm out. If he's pitching for Kansas City, I'm out. Like yeah. a, a different context, no thank you. Uh, but you couldn't ask for a better situation for a guy to take a chance on uh, than Elder here.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't see a world in which uh, you're not just getting a ton of innings from a guy who. Yeah, you know, yeah, is his is his ERA gonna be um you know three three? Probably right. not. You, you know, you're probably living in the three seven five area. He was three eighty-one last year. Um, but again, in your deeper format, in your fifteen team leagues, like uh, he makes a lot of sense as a kind of a back-end ratio stabilizer, especially if you have guys at the top end that maybe have some really good upside, but are in situations that may not, you know may not bear a lot of fruit in terms of wins, right? Like elder, like you can pretty much pencil in like 12 or 13 wins. Cause you know, he's going to pitch a bunch of innings on one of the best teams in baseball. Um, and he's not gonna, you know, overly hurt you because he puts so many balls on the ground in, in front of that good defense. So if
1: he does this part, I mean, you look at the, you look at, I'm looking at Atlanta's, uh, ADP by pitching and, and Strider is, you know, obviously has gone as high as three. Uh, mm-hmm. No, thanks. Uh, but uh, And then you got Max Fried, then we uh, who has his own injury concerns. Uh, then we have Chris Sale, who has his own injury concerns. We have Charlie Morton, who's had some issues. Uh, then we have Bryce Elder, but then we have AJ Smith, uh, Chauver, the whatever they're going to do with Reynaldo Lopez. I still can't believe they're entertaining him for the rotation. I
0: I don't think they are anymore. I mean, I think I mean maybe he is a guy who can transition to the rotation once one of these other guys gets hurt. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that I would be all I mean, his
1: ADP is currently four fifty three. I would be all over that in a DC. I love Reynaldo Lopez the reliever on yes. this team. Mm-hmm. I love him in, in that in that yeah. particular situation. I do not want him as a starting pitcher. I don't. Uh, yeah, no, so. I don't. If,
0: if he's a starter, I don't want anything to do with him. If he's a reliever, I want everything to do with him. Like, yeah. it's just, the role is so important for Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, but as far as Elder goes, I just think he is a really good glue guy. Like, it's yeah. back into your rotation. Like, it's dumb. um I understand the other, you know, one of the reasons why he drops is because people are looking for upside guys that are going to pop. Um okay. And I don't think Elder's that guy, but I do think that yeah, if you're in a DC, if you're in a even a fifteen team just fab league, like yeah, that guy at the end of your uh bench is not a bad uh, guy to have.
1: Yeah, it's driving me nuts. I can't think of the glue profile. Like he's not oh, um like I'm trying to think somebody used to pitch like that as the uh, who was Fausto Carmona and then his name became Roberto Hernandez. You know, that type. He's not not like that, but again, Elder just does his thing uh and maybe maybe the only the name i keep coming to mind like rick helling rick helling used to be that guy but then rick helling became rick shelling because he lost his ability to be that guy Mm -hmm. Uh, so again at this at this pick unless you're in a dc you you could at this price rather you could take elder and if he stinks you cut me yep
0: all right that's gonna wrap us up for this episode jason remind everybody who keeps on social media and plug anything you got going on so
1: on threads, on Blue Sky at Jason Collette, uh, we won't be recording next week because uh, PitchCon's going on, right? Oh, I don't know great. about Yeah, we have uh, Nick Pollock and the folks at uh, at, at uh, PitchList are hosting PitchCon. Uh, I have a session. I am the last session of the entire thing before they start giving away everything. I am uh, the panelist. Uh, no, I'm not the panelist. I'm the host, and I get to talk to Sarah Langs and Meg Rowley about – 2024 hot takes. Oh, I don't know what those hot takes are going to be yet, but uh, I get the honor of of talking to those two about hot takes. And I know people are coming to listen to them and not me, uh, so I'm yeah, going to try to do not cool. a lot of talking and let those two uh, <laughs> let those two uh, allow those two not let allow them uh, to uh, in, to impart their wisdom. Uh, on PitchCon, looking forward to it. I was already trying to align. Okay, what does my work schedule look like Again, still, what sessions am I going to be able to listen to? Uh, that the the agenda looks phenomenal. Uh, so yeah. I was going through it yesterday. I'm excited to see um, everything on it, and I know all the proceeds are going to a, a specific ALS foundation. Uh, and if you're not for, if you haven't gone to PitchCon before, it's free. Uh, it is you donate what you feel you're getting out of it, uh, and there are different prizes if you make donations and I forgot what some of the prizes are uh, that are out there, but they they talk about it. But it is a uh, it's a great time. It started up during COVID, and it's actually gotten better since uh, we didn't had those restrictions. It continues to grow every year, and I'm excited to be a part of it again.
0: Yep, I'm going to be on PitchCon as well. I think I actually I got to double check, but I think I'm actually on on Sunday. Um, so uh, I definitely I'm 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. I can't remember exactly if I'm Saturday or Sunday. Uh, My wife's going to be on it as well uh, at some point. Uh, I'm talking about the second half performances. So uh, we're going to talk about some players who either performed well or did not perform well in the second half and how we feel like those are going to carry on or not carry on into 2024. Uh, Dan Stratford is going to be hosting and leading that panel and uh lucian uh kish uh is going to be on it as well with me uh and i have never met him before so i'm looking forward to meeting someone new talking some baseball uh i offered to give away a justin mason bathing suit um so that's gonna be massive demand uh britain allen got new uh (laughs) allen got one last year and has it hanging up in his office where he, where he records. So um, uh, it is a very popular bathing suit. <laughs> I don't know if Nick's going to put it on there again <laughs> this year, but I thought I'd offer. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, as far as uh, other stuff I got going on, you can reach me at Justin Mason, FWFB, um, writing fan graphs and Fantasy Pros this season once again. Uh, and I'm going to have a ton of articles coming out over the next week on both. So uh, if you like my written content, go check that out over there. Uh, for Jason, myself, thank you for listening. Have fantastic baseball offseason. Thanks, guys.